Today on ABC Devo, Smart Patrol slash Mr. DNA. Hey everybody, welcome to ABC Devo, the internet's only podcast where four wonderful handsome gentlemen like myself uh, talk about every Devo song from Fourth Dimension to Wiggly World. I'm Joe Mazel. I'm Pete the Retailer. I'm just Tom Taylor looking for that real tomato. I'm the Spud Boy John Engel. Hmm. And today we are discussing Smart Patrol slash Mr. DNA. Mr. DNA, Mr. DNA. From, was it? What is it now? 79's Duty Now for the Future, or is that 78? 79. 79. All right. Yeah. 79. Well, what do you gentlemen think of uh, this little ditty? I've never it's... heard this song before. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you. Tom Taylor, you're pulling my leg. Aw. Well, this is another one of those, uh, like, early, you know, that initial batch, that uh, kind of, you know, songs that were Devo songs before Devo was a, a recording act, essentially. Mm-hmm. Which is odd, since Devo is mentioned within the song. Right. Well, Devo is... So wait, what was the what wait, was, was Mr. Devo DNA's mentions? finger... Yeah, his finger's pointed oh, his at Devo. Pointed at Devo. Right. It's wait. a snake eating its tail. So there, uh, Devo was a thing, but they weren't, you know, they didn't have albums out yet. They would do this. This, uh, I have... Wait, Devo was a guy made of orange rock in the Fantastic Four? Uh-huh. Wow. I, I have uh the, I see it first performed in April of seventy five. So this was the song huh. from, from seventy this song is older than me. Um and they kind of, you know, worked with it, kept it around. Uh I, I have it performed being kind of consistently in seventy five, seventy six, seventy seven oh, so seventy five and seventy six it was just Smart Patrol, apparently. Mm. And then they worked in Mr. DNA. Uh, they combined mm. it with Mr. DNA at some point in the 70s, maybe 77, 77 to 82, and 89 to present. So there's a brief respite, 82 to 89. They didn't play this song really, but well, from 82 to 89, they hardly played. Yeah. Well, tell me about it. Um, Although you know they would have done the uh, what's call tour, the Total Diva tour. It's interesting that they would eliminate. A very a proven high quality crowd pleaser out of their set. On the other hand, they released an album that had no crowd pleasing on it. Right. So, who knows? Well, speaking of uh, crowd pleasing, mm-hmm. um, that's there's there's notes to, as to the origin of this song, uh, kind of related to all this. Could I go off on a on a little tangent here? Hey, not so bad, big guy. Historical tangent. Um. So apparently, this song evolved or devolved if you will uh out of um there was a song called no is this just the Mr. DNA part or is this the there was a song called the death of lieutenant casanova um and like lieutenant casanova was a character that jerry played apparently that jerry mm-hmm. was like here's like he's the, he's this guy who was like a uh you know a modern lover uh who was you know into breaking breaking free of the the societal constraints about love and sex and whatever uh short-lived character i think everybody was like eh. 
<laughs> um, so he killed him off in like 74 or something like that. Um, really early on, he killed off the character and did a song about how that character died. Um, it, it involves them all kind of singing Naga Hide together for, at some point. Um, but that song is basically over like a super slow version of, uh, of the same riff from, I think, Smart Patrol. I was listening to mm. it earlier today and it's, it's hard. It's there, but it's, it's really, uh, you know, it's really rough, really song transformed a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but also it was a regular like, Optimus prime in that. Um, so in that, in that one recording that there is of this, maybe it's the only time that, uh, that the death of Lieutenant Casanova was ever played. Um, but he's doing a little crowd work, Jerry, and he's talking about, uh, uh, you know, he's like, yeah, you, well, you know, there's sometimes he says something kind of self-deprecating, which gets a big laugh about like, you know, you about uh, people not wanting to be here and wanting to go home. And everybody's like, ha ha ha. And they laugh a little nervously because they're like in the middle of doing like a, you know, kind of experimental, you know, whatever. Um, and, but one guy in the audience goes like, ain't got no home. And he's like, what's that? And he's like, ain't got no home. And he's like, oh, you ain't got no home. All right. You're a smart pro, nowhere to go. Ooh, and apparently that. Then, I'm sorry, you're a smart troll. Troll. So like, and then so apparently I that. I still didn't quite hear you. Did you say troll? Troll. Troll. Like proletariat. Like proletariat. Ah. Oh, okay. I've never heard troll being used as slang for proletariat. Yeah, man. Me neither. That's because you're, that, you're too bougie. Is, I, I guess that that's what they it. call them in 1984. Isn't that what they call everybody? Proles. Am I not remembering that correctly? Oh, I'm pretty ah. sure they do. It's I've only read Animal Farm. Hmm. <laughs> I'm a yeah, I'm an Animal Farm fan. That's the so only book you've ever read. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was born with Animal Farm. I was born on an Animal Farm. I read Animal Farm. I'll die on an Animal Farm. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so just in this bit of crowd work, he he says, "You're a smart prole, nowhere to go." And then apparently that stuck with them, or at least with Jerry. And then he went back and kind of reworked this song and mixed in those. And it became, it was something about smart proletariat at first, and then he they turned it into smart patrol, because, again, they were probably worried about people understanding what they were saying. <laughs> like I just did. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, so by 1975, so that was 74. By 75, uh, April of 75, apparently this was the first performance of Smart Patrol, where Devo performed two sets before each showing of uh, Pink, Pink Flamingos. Oh my God! In in Cleveland, I guess, or in Akron, or or in that general vicinity. I think those shows were in Akron. Yeah, we talked about those many many weeks ago. Did we? Those those really early Pink Flamingo. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, where they would open for the Pink Flamingo midnight shows and stuff. Right. Yeah. So that that's where that um, I guess that's where the the restructured version of Smart Patrol. Um, came about, and that also it's a 1984 origins. Uh, really explains the course for Smart Patrol. Yeah, subliminal robots modern reality, common stock. We were in, work around the clock. Mm-hmm. I said suburban robots that modernize that monetary reality. Clearly, I did not know what those lyrics were. Yeah, well, this is because I've I always to... heard subliminal robots modernize reality. Here's something <laughs> I wanted to ask you. It, and it, again, it, it's in the. Is it about this uh, monkey is a world pooba? 
<laughs> no, it's close to that though. It's, <laughs> it's he's an altruistic puma. <laughs> That's actually what I meant. I was confusing yeah. <laughs> altruistic puma with. Uh, this monkey. I think it's like this monkey's in the world window or something like that. <laughs> monkey wants a word with you. Yeah, that part I, I understood. I've heard that, but I also I've heard this monkey wants a word with you. The other version I've heard, actually, this is on uh, this is on a website that I'll be referencing in a little bit in a little while. Uh, what was it? Songmeetings.com. Uh, shush. <laughs> Space monkey with one window. Hmm. Um, which would be like the cover of oh. New Traditionalists. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Not the cover, but the uh, logo, excuse me. I will say that until today, as much as I, I listen to the song a lot, but as I still don't necessarily like. always uh, uh, catch all lyrics of songs, even if I've listened to them a million times. Yeah. And then I always thought he said, Mr. Monkey wants a word with you. Hmm. And I saw a live performance where I'm pretty sure that is what he says. I'm, I've, I've always thought that too. Or this monkey wants word with you. That's how I've always heard this. Well, that's one. what it he apparently yeah, says. It but I thought it was Mr. Monkey, and I thought he was specifically referring. Oh shoot, I'm forgetting who plays the guitar solo here. Uh, Bob. Bob. Bob One. And I'm pretty sure in the live show he like points at Bob One and says, "Mr. Monkey wants a word with you," but maybe he's saying this monkey. I think it's this. But I think he's specifically referring to the guitar, like. Right. Okay, no, like, I know for like, years I thought it was yeah. he had a world window. Right. Mm. That's that's pretty good. I like the world window idea. It's poetic. Yeah. Mm. Well, you, you know, I, I've always been known for my flowery prose. Yeah. Sure. Um, I've always been, uh, even to this day, I know it's suburban robots, but I still want to say subhuman robots. Mm. I've mm. always heard subliminal robots. Mm. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Ooh, that's a lot of syllables to get in, right? That'd be really. Yeah, I like it though. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, lyrically, this song is just nuts. I, yeah, <laughs> I just, I mean, especially when it gets down to the, you know, after your your three intros that you get, um, which I love. I love that. Mm-hmm. I, I don't even know how to describe why. This is one of those songs that's going to be like. I love this song so much, I don't even know if I really want to try to figure out why. I just love it so much. Um, It feels like, you know, we've talked about a lot of, uh, a lot of the types of Devo songs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's the kind of like crude sexual ones that Mm. at their best are kind of fun and uh, interesting at their worst are really crude and gross. Mm -hmm. There are like the Devo manifesto songs, Chaco Homo, of course, being the kind of top of that mountain there are like the just really hard rocking like you know super punk songs and there are the really kind of weird i like this sound but i can't describe it kind of songs and this one's all of them yeah, this, this one covers everything yeah yeah and i was gonna say the exact same thing this song covers everything i love about diva like mm-hmm. uh yeah i can't I don't, I don't know it's like i can't say enough about this particular track um uh yeah here i am not saying sure. <laughs> i guess that's why and, and it also does branding too because they do you know they uh do potato shtick yeah well, it's, it's, boy and, potato stick. yeah it's arguably the ultimate statement of purpose Devo song. Indeed. Mm-hmm. And, and you know you get your potatoes you get like dna discuss we get your genetics discussion mm-hmm. going on yeah you have like uh, you end a prophylactic tour yeah you have that <laughs> yeah you do, uh, they're always doing that 
Um, you get your like worker, you know, proletariat worker kind of motif with the uh, your smart uh, organic machine, if you will, working the around the clock. Yeah, I mean everything's it's everything's here, and it sounds so amazing. Number one, by far, number one guitar tone they ever accomplished to me is this mm. song. That when that guitar comes in every single time, it just sends my hairs just raised on the back of my neck. I, I think this is like the perfect accomplishment of of the mix. They got the mix perfect on the song. The drums aren't too loud, even though they argue they some of the some of the band members argue this whole album's too loud on the drums, but I don't agree with them. No. And the guitar tone is so perfectly blended in, but really cuts cuts through you at the same time. Um, I don't know. It, it's just such an amazing song. You could probably guess what grade I'm going to give it. <laughs> B plus. And John goes C. <laughs> <laughs> Does anybody know if the Mr. DNA cartoon character in Jurassic Park is a is actually an intended Devo reference? Well, I don't because know. it's the only part of that movie that I really, really like, is that the idea that like <laughs> in a Steven Spielberg kind of straight, kind of nerdy blockbuster middle movie, the there's like a Devo reference. Middle. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just a coincidence because that's a pretty easy name to give to that character. I mean, on the other hand, he's sort of young enough and he's certainly nerdy enough that I could see him being exposed to Devo. Sure. How much do you do with that? He's also a bit of a hick. He is a bit of a hick, but by the time Devo starts to emerge, he's already like a working big city director. Mm. Oh, I thought you were talking about Mr. DNA, the actual character. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's an altruistic he, I mean, he yeah. pronounces dinosaur dinosaur. So I was like, <laughs> it's kind of a hick, that guy. No, uh, no, I think Spielberg's, uh, a, hick, Spielberg's a little old for Devo. <laughs> he's a little bit old, but on the other hand, Scorsese is a relatively big Devo fan. Of course, mm. we do know that we have photographic evidence of, of, I believe, Toby Hooper and Steven Spielberg sitting on the bed. The kids' oh, bed right. poltergeist with a Devo poster behind mm, them. That's right. So, uh-huh. There is that. Oh, man. Yeah, the case is building. Mm-hmm. Let's just go with it. Spielberg, Devo okay. lover, wrote him into his movie. <laughs> New headcanon. <laughs> um, wait, one of okay, you just said something that makes me... Oh, damn it. It made me think of something, and now I can't think of what it was. Anasaurs? Anasaurs. <laughs> no, no, before that. Murray <laughs> Hamilton. Mm. Uh, I'll think of it. We're not. Well, let me ask you guys. Does it make sense? Am I wrong here? I might be wrong. Does it make sense for them to be tired of the soup du jour? Because isn't that different every day? Isn't that the idea of a soup du jour? That Maybe that's what they're tired of. Is the they're idea of the soup du jour. Soup. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. In a devolved society, you get the same mush every day. I get they're it. tired okay. of the pre-planned variety that yes. makes you think oh things are different and new uh-huh. every day but really they're just they're just giving me a different kind of soup that's not going to do it right. for me you just go right to the back same place the and ordering church. the same thing every day yeah and they're, they're mm-hmm. tgi fridays mixing yeah. it up a little bit i've also you know maybe it's i've been to many a diner which always claimed to have a soup du jour and it was always the exact same thing hmm. yeah. maybe oh. they're Maybe it's some sort of a reference to uh, my experience with diners uh, that Diva would predict when I was <laughs> a baby. <laughs> um, Maybe some people think soup du jour is just French for soup. It's also possible that it's also possible that several hicks who grew up in industrial Ohio right. may not really know what it means. 
Could be. Oh, but then they would. Th- that would be the opposite then too. If they're tired of the fancy soup, the right. exotic soup, the French leek soup, soup. <laughs> that they don't even yeah. know what it is. Yeah. Um, but they're proletariats. Right. They're smart proles. So they would, you know, so like czarists like me, well, you know, have to worry, you know, who eat different types of soup every day with gold spoons, hmm. <laughs> bedazzled in rubies. Um, you know, that they, they like people like Devo just resent us. Yeah. Here we are. Well, they should face to face a couple of gold spoons. <laughs> <laughs> Open to find we're two of a kind. Making us um, something, making us something. We're gonna go together. We're I have tempest in my way. house. <laughs> God, that would drive me. Frogger, Tempest, and Pac Man. Yeah, that blew my mind. Why was that magical? Point out like that I'm the, sitting like 15 feet away from a Mr. Do arcade cabinet. Aw. They did manage to like figure out exactly what a seven-year-old Joe would think of was incredible, <laughs> incredible opulence. Yeah. Owning like arcade games and also having a ride-on train. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Where where did you guys imagine that train went? Because it doesn't it go out the, of the Land house? Make believe. <laughs> King Fridays out there. Yeah. Um, no, I always imagine that train episodes, goes... they would make. Actually, in very early episodes, they would make references to things like, well, once the train goes through the ghost town. Right. Well, didn't they arrive oh. with s- covered in snow one time on the train? <laughs> yeah, and I think it's like yep. like Oscar's trash can kind of a thing where it's like, a, yep. you know, or yeah. Harpo's coat where it's just, it could be, it's like a bag of holding. <laughs> or was it Mel Lark Lemon's uh, Afro in the oh, gold, wow. uh, Super Globetrotters cartoon? <laughs> yeah. I could just pull anything out of it. Right. Hey, fun oh, fact, I've met, I've met Meadow Lark Lemon. Wow. Did he pull uh, a Chevy out of his hair? Uh, no, he taught us how to to dribble a basketball. He would That's come far less impressive. No, it was actually well, great. He's on uh, brand, though. You he was a basketball coach in a nearby town to where I went to high school, and he would go around doing these like seminar, you know, like assemblies, and he would teach you how to uh, dribble a basketball really well. Hmm. Anyway, that's it. Middle Lark Lemon. He used to come to my school. All right. We're really getting off track. <laughs> as far off track as we can get it. Why? I don't know. We could talk Not about like really train on silver spoons, which is no. kind of on tracks. No, oh, and, there you go. And who knows where they go? Yeah, I, I love the, the idea of the the Gary Coleman film on the right track, mm-hmm. and Gary Coleman mm-hmm. was on, playing Arnold was on at least one episode of Silver Spoons. Yeah, yeah. I love the idea. And you know what? They the, were probably big Devo fans. There's the conversation oh, map. And that, like, there's like Meadowlark Lemon standing at the edge of it, being like, "No, go back! Like, you, you've gone too far." <laughs> <laughs> there be dragons here. Take the Silver Spoons train back to right. Depot Town. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. Um, all right. It's actually one question I have, and this is not going to take away from my grade at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is a very small thing. But okay, so they talk about you know there's made they've made mention of Mr. Kamikaze, mm. and there is a weird vein of like Asian fetishism that runs through Devo's early work. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, they had the that's some kind of Tai Chi nut. The Chinaman, the right. Chinaman's mask that they wear, yeah, right. secret, right for sure, for sure. Yeah, it's a little bit odd. Um, and well, yes, there are certainly racial uh, connotations to it, and at the same time, it's like 
without uh, sounding like I'm a superior coaster making fun of flyover country, it is quite possible that they'd never even really seen an Asian person in real life. I, right. I really doubt that. <laughs> I imagine... I imagine there's plenty of Asian people in the um, in Akron, Ohio, in the '60s. Sure, why not? There's a lot of Asian people here in Kansas City. Well, yeah, well, wouldn't you're everything's up to date there. So, 2017. No, there has been for a long time. My boss has been here since the mid '70s. He's been he's from China. He's from Taiwan, actually. All right, so and he's been here for a long time, and a lot of people. <laughs> okay, so you're right. My boss brought him all brought all of the people over. Mm-hmm. Like he was the pioneer. Oh, the... <laughs> Uh, what I uh, okay, let me rephrase that in a way that doesn't make it sound like I'm making fun of you mid-country rubes. Um, it is possible that the influx of Asian culture had not, uh, you, you know, it, it was not uh, homogenized into American culture for the Mother's Bow and Kasali children in the early 60s and it was still seen very much as exotic exoticism i, I think it sure i think that's they it. certainly it's... referred to them as orientals and things like that right when it was still the exotic yeah like what you're saying that's how they referred to people think... in that era for sure you're right yeah well, and in akron <laughs> you're, in 1960 some china girl aren't you <laughs> um and, and and i quickly pulled up somehow it's very easy to find the, the population percentage of Asian Americans in Akron in 1965 was 1.5%. That's actually a lot higher than I thought. Yeah, that's, that's mm. not bad. Yeah, I think... It, it's certainly more than what I grew up with, Pete, I say, as Pete chuckles since he knows where <laughs> yeah. I live. That's true. <laughs> um, he's, he's kidding. It's almost the reverse. Um, <laughs> the... Except for the almost part. Yeah. <laughs> I learned how to curse in Cantonese. Well, after I learned how to curse in English, still I learned how to curse in Cantonese. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I think you know, as a culture in general, the kind of the seventies seemed to be very fascinated with the uh, Eastern cultures. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you had a lot of well, especially uh, as Joe can attest, there was a. Uh, uh, was as I'm sure probably more than Joe, but as I know that Joe has attested to me, there's a, a strong wave of uh, of popularity in kung fu films, and uh, mm-hmm. there's a you know it seems like like we were, and it, it might not have always been respectfully, but American culture was kind of obsessed with 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 Asian cultures um, for a while. It's really and, when the first wave of like kind of white people doing yoga kind of hit. In the late sixties, early seventies, yeah, and like sushi became a thing, mm. and you know a lot of um, well, a thing know. that cool punk rockers on Sunset uh, Boulevard would laugh at. Mm-hmm. Yes, that was I've... my Valley Girl reference. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've um, I'm trying to think if I've eaten sushi on Sunset Boulevard, <laughs> and I believe I have. Oh, I've eaten it on Ventura Boulevard. Hmm. Um, it's close enough. Yeah. No, I mean. Um. But yeah. So the. Where were we with? Oh yeah. So Mr. Kamikaze. Wait. Well, nobody ever answered. Uh, is he like at? Because I was listening to again the the live versions from Devo Live the Mongoloid Years are, are fantastic, and I, I had forgotten how good that 
album is and that that slice of their uh, era is um but i'm pretty sure oh maybe he does say puba maybe that's what you're saying because i for years i've been like he's an altruistic puma like what are they what are they trying to say <laughs> like is is that a like is it it's not like uh you know now we have cougars but like is this a different thing like what's an altruistic puma because it's definitely different than he's an altruistic pervert. He says that a couple of times, but then he definitely turns it into altruistic. Maybe he's saying poobah. Mm. That's, that's definitely a thing. It also could be he has a fairly, you know, he has a Midwestern twang and he's singing really fast and kind of exhausted yeah. and perverts like, he's another. No, but it changes. It, cha- <laughs> it goes from, he def- clearly says pervert and then clearly says something else that could, I think it, poobah, I guess, makes more sense than puma, but. I don't know. I like to think of an altruistic puma every once in a while. And, well, sure. How would that make me feel if I was <laughs> singing about an altruistic puma? Is Mr. Kamikaze just another name for Mr. DNA? Are they one and the same? Hmm. I believe so. Right. I believe so, too. I never really thought about it, though, until just now. Okay. I have a lot. There are a lot of comments in this song on songmeanings.com. Oh, boy. And, and I will be referencing them. Um... But one <clears throat> singular sensation. One person. Oh, oh sorry. Uh, but yes, <laughs> every <laughs> single movement it makes. A gentleman or perhaps lady by the name of Neon Solid uh, points. You know, uses this song completely as a sex metaphor. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I can see that. It figures. <laughs> and. Um, you know, using we shove the poles in the holes. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, to quote Neon Solid, we shove the poles in the holes equals. Um, but then points this out, down. hang on. Yes. But then points out that the Mr. DNA part is describing sperm attacking eggs. And well, normally that's the kind of thing we'd laugh at because these song meanings dot com rubes. What do they know? Except for the guy who made the whole Superman 2 argument. He was pretty oh, yeah. smart. <laughs> um. <laughs> But, it, you know, there is that sort of like, while not necessarily taking it to the extreme of sperm, there is the idea that Mr. Com- that Mr. DNA is shooting for... Lo- no, God, I shouldn't have said that. Is Mr. <laughs> DNA uh, launching? Uh, no. Um, firing an all-cylinder? No. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Mr. DNA is um, attacking for life and... Mm-hmm. Uh, his attack for life will kill him in the process. Hmm. Oh, you know, or perhaps Mr. DNA is one of a, one of Legion. A Legion of superheroes? Perhaps. Or <laughs> the Legion cool. of substitute heroes. Hmm. Um, like Alchemy Lad. Well, yeah, I, I did think the... I did think about the whole thing as a sex metaphor. Let's say Mr. Kamikaze... You know, Mr. Kamikaze is somebody who's just somebody who's just ramming into something. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Mr. Uh, DNA. Uh. He's here to spread some genes, and he's here to spread some genes. You know what I'm saying? I hear you. I'm picking up what you're laying down. I, mm-hmm. I dropped my needle on that wax track. I gotta um, throw in a, a little confession here too. This will this will add to your. I used to this think this was my wedding song. <laughs> I used to think that the second time they said Mr. DNA for some reason, they said used to be an egg. Hmm. That's what I used oh, to think. Oh my said. god! Wow. I really was convinced of that until like like a year ago or something. I was like, oh, he's just saying Mr. DNA. 
But to me, that made perfect sense in a, in a Devo sort of way that that would be a lyric. Used to be an egg, you know, sure. and it kind of fits what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, if then after altruistic pervert, maybe now we're talking about the what whoever was born from this kamikaze attack that then starts it all over again and becomes you know mr kamikaze and spreads some genes and the cycle continues mm-hmm. um anyway but that was really just a misunderstanding of lyrics thing i didn't think it would actually fit into a, <laughs> into any sort of a, a thematic context but i guess it kind of does i don't know hmm. apparently Jer- uh, jerry casale said that Smart Patrol is about the triumph of the altruistic gene over petty self-interest. Hmm. Hmm. Sure. <laughs> well, I guess he would know. Glitter <laughs> as <laughs> mud. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, I, this is so, God, sometimes I feel dumb. Like, and I feel like maybe I shouldn't say this, but I did really make the connection between in this prophylactic tour and mm. all the spreading genes. I was stuff later. just thinking that this second, as yeah. you said, I that. never yeah. once have thought of that until this very moment. It's funny that we sound like <laughs> totally we like, sound I, like I can... guys on songmeetings.com. Well, no, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm picturing well, yeah, no, that. No, so he wants to end this I'm prophylactic cold. tour, meaning he wants to start spreading old dirty bastard. Do it raw. Yeah, he wants to shove the and then in the holes. Some, and then there's something wrong, which is that he had, a, you know, he accidentally impregnates uh, somebody. Oh, uh, you know, oh. Mr. DNA might be a nickname. Wait, but that's his. That's his mission, right? I don't think it's accidental impregnation. Yeah, we're just, we're yeah. About, tired of that. Well, I mean, I, I think I, 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 I think the purpose is pleasure. The side effect is. Uh, in, 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 okay. Oh, I don't know. He's the okay. man with the plan. Well, perhaps. The, well, the thing is, it's sort of like, yes, he's the man with the plan, Mr. Yeah. DNA. Yeah, he's here he's to spread the which again might be a nickname for his member. Right. He's a member of the yeah. DNA. Yeah. So it's <laughs> of the smart patrol. It's about yeah, like it, it, it's about like man trying to overcome the sex drive. Right. Drive uh, because yeah, back DNA to automotive. Is his, is a penis, <laughs> and that is like, wait a minute, something's wrong. He's the man with the plan. Like I'm being controlled by this. Oh, I don't know. and uh, you know, therefore, oh. like I'm doing something I can't reverse. Right. And I mean, it's two different songs too. I mean, you're talking about the yeah. first part of the song is this guy going, "Hey, I'm ready to uh, do it." You know, in the prophylactic tour for pleasure, as you say, Joe. And then when the song really kicks in, it's the result of that. It's the consequences of that. So there's actually like a thematic change in the structure of the song, too, not just lyrically. So I, I buy it, Joe. I like it. Mm-hmm. I think you actually might. That might be right on. I mean, I was thinking of them of it being an intentional thing when he says in the prophylactic tour, but um, I think I like yours better because it has an arc to it. There's a little arc. Yeah, there, there's a little, a little narrative story. there. Yeah. Right. And God, when, this is a perfect song. When it takes over... <laughs> It's it's this that's what this monkey wants a word with you like he he it takes over so much that his brain basically devolves he becomes mm. more animalistic reverts to an earlier state earlier stage yeah the, I'm on board evolved the he must sacrifice himself he must give up his freewheeling uh yep. his freewheeling lifestyle to uh you know nurture life right so many and others then we get the life. We get the theme of impotence in the uh, the men who make the music video version of this, where Bob One's uh, guitar becomes unplugged while he's doing his solo. 
Mm. Oh, man. Thank you. Well, <laughs> I think we figured it all out. <laughs> now, where does... Okay. Where did the suburban robots come in? <laughs> I, I really want that to somehow tie in so this all makes sense. But that's the one part where I'm like, wait a minute, I'm not so sure about that part. Wherever it fits in, it's a cool idea. Suburban oh, robots who monitor reality. Well, they're talking to... It's not the same character. See, they're talking... They're saying... Smart Patrol, nowhere to go. Where's suburb? Where's Smart Patrol? Nowhere to go. Suburban robots, the monitor reality. They're they're kind of checking in, talking to the guy. He's been with the world, but where's Smart Patrol? Mm. Mm. Well, and you know, like I said, he wants to take a chance. He's been living life. He's been getting the pleasure tip, much in the way that we punch a clock every day. Mm-hmm. Like, and this is like this is it. No more prophylactic tour. Right. You know, uh, you know now. Now it's now it's now it's Mark Mother's boss time to shine. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and you know, and he pays the he pays the price for going against the grain. You know, look, look at the uh, Ridley Scott directed Macintosh commercial. It's it's the same kind of thing. <laughs> Very similar. Yeah. Thanks so Um. All right. So does that uh, now that we fully analyzed it. <laughs> What do we, uh, how do, should we grade it? What's, uh, how do we feel about D it? D minus. I'm kidding. It's an A double plus for Joe. Hey, I have A double plus too. Oh, man. I was going to give it the exact same grade. It's the only one that's getting the A double plus grade. Now, if I just give it a regular A plus, is that like a girl yeah. you want? Sort of? Oh, man, Tom. Why do you hate this song so much? Uh, oh, my off, God. I didn't me... know we could do double pluses. First you off, can. we can't. Yes, we can. Oh, good. Second of all, in your um, face. That's uh, you guys you are saying Pete. it's double plus good. Is that is that am I mistaken? It's more good than just regular good. Right. It's good good. It's like you know, two thirds of the way or halfway through uh, alphabetical, and and Alex tried to give something a six, and we've been doing one through five, and I'm like, that doesn't work that way. <laughs> Come on. I will. You know, uh, Alex was you, Alex is a mathematician. <laughs> Um, I, I am I am referencing, of course, uh, you know, wait, wait a minute. There is precedent. Christmas story, Ralphie's dream sequence. He gets an A plus oh, yeah. plus 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 for his who report on the Red Rider BBM. Dream yeah. sequence. And that's directed by that's directed by Bob Clark, who also directed mm-hmm. Black Christmas and Porky's. So yeah. therefore, he knows what he's talking about. And therefore, double plus works. Well, that's why he couched it in a dream sequence, because it's not reality. I, I'm here to monitor. Uh, he was monitoring. I'm yeah. sorry. He they lived in the suburbs in Christmas Story, and they were monitoring reality. And uh, yeah, no, I, I'm with it. I, I'm, I'm with you. Bob Clark rules. A plus <laughs> plus. Well, I'm going to stay within the limits of uh, of sanity reality. reality and give it an A plus because uh, it's a fantastic song. It really is. It is my it is my favorite. If I have to pick a favorite, it's my favorite Devo. Song. I can rope myself in and go to the A plus and leave, but I don't want to strand John in double plus land. No, so no, it's we're like we're gonna it. hear like a voice coming from inside the wall. It's gonna be like, oh, <laughs> no, I, this, I love this song, Bob Clark. Um, I want to yeah. echo my uh, co-host John too, by the way, because he just said that this might be his favorite Devo song. If you put mm-hmm. a gun to my head, this I would have to say this is my favorite Devo song. For sure, gun to head. You don't even have to put yeah. a gun to my head. Just ask. I'm me. putting a gun to your head, John. Oh my god. Okay, it's my favorite song. <laughs> All right. Jesus. I mean, it's definitely. 
Yeah, you know, it's one of those things that it's like even I don't know what my favorite Devo songs are necessarily, but if you mm-hmm. said if I were to make somebody a Devo mix, it's it goes without saying that this would be on it. Right, right. I think this like, was and if somebody else made a Devo like, like you know, Pete, you remember uh, toward the end of the uh, CDs or the predominant physical media wave when like like would go to the Virgin Mega Store on 14th Street and would always flip through Devo just in case they they release some of the older albums on CD and you'd always see like a new greatest hits album yeah that was like, always put out by like a random company yeah like 20th Century Masters yeah and I mean at least 20th Century Masters one was like a real one but yeah, you'd have like the best of the spuds right <laughs> And it would always be this really, you know, it'd be Whippet, maybe Satisfaction, and a really weird, like, selection of songs. Um, like, the one way you could tell if it was even remotely of quality was whether Smart Patrol was on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is enough of a, um, like, was never on the radio, as far as I, can, as far as I know. But it is totally uh, epitome of Devo. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to speak for the rest of you, but generally speaking, yeah, uh, well, <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll put it to the crowd. Generally speaking, and there are definitely exceptions to the rule, but generally speaking, I am a short song guy. Mm-hmm. Get in and get out. Right. Uh, once you're passing three minutes, you're, you, you better have a good reason to. Um, but and yet this song is what, about six and a half? Uh, I can tell six. you in a second. But six. That's why technically two songs that's why hmm. I, I'm, I'm fine with that but i never but a i, I would never listen to one without the other and oh, b it accidentally started I playing never... yeah <laughs> six six oh five i think six oh six something like that but i never feel it it always just it, oh, yeah. it's, it's yeah. just this headlong rush of greatness um so yeah right it's it's so it is really good mm-hmm. i agree with you on normally i'm a short song guy up until like you know four minutes or so is like kind of max out, but then it there's like a dip and then there's like a valley, but then it comes way back in at like 10 minutes. If you go longer than mm. 10, I'm on board. Oh, sure. <laughs> but that like four to 10 zone is like, all right, this better be good. You have a lot to explain here. You say yes to long songs. <laughs> oh, thank you. You don't want to end up in the sticks there. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you mean the, the song uh, in the sticks by Warren? <laughs> <laughs> Um, You're getting a little King Crimsony there. I know um, people probably data cakes. A, people probably get a little tired of my uh, kid stories, but I do want to say this is another Archer Engel favorite. Oh, and I, I have picture, I have photographic evidence of him like crazy air drumming to the song in the back of the car. <laughs> but there was one time in particular where we were listening to the song in the car. He was about three, maybe going on four, and. We got. We went to the grocery store, and we were walking to the grocery store, and he just kept saying, "Understand my potato" over and over again. <laughs> and he would walk past people, and they would look at him. And, I, I, and I kept backing out of produce that day. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> well, I I realized like people were looking at me funny when he was saying it, and I was like, I think they feel like he's demanding that they understand his potato right now. <laughs> the way he was saying it, it was really funny. But he just kept saying it over and over again, and it was a very proud moment for me. That's that nice. Great. I hope I hope as he grows up, people understand his potato. Yeah, uh, as he apparently wishes. That's uh, this is a tangent, but uh, I'll save the tangent. Well, I don't know. One, at one point, I was out on the street doing something, and I was, you know, uh, ended up like with some friends, and something happened where I couldn't 
see like my hat fell over my eyes or something and i was wondering and i ended up quoting c-3po from uh, empire strikes back i was like chewbacca i can't see and like we were all laughing and then i like looked and saw that other people were around and i was like do those people just think that i was like pretending to be somebody in star wars like do you think i'm playing star wars and i'm in my 20s like out on the streets of new york that i really was calling my friend chewbacca like i'm like like i want to actually propose something to you okay i'm married joe um how are you not playing star wars yeah <laughs> why, why not the people may have been assuming correctly <laughs> well no i was racist. you know i wasn't actually <laughs> pretending that any of my friends were chewbacca i was just pretending to be c-3po in well, my heart well really you yes okay so then you're playing star wars yeah. number one number two when you're saying chewbacca i can't see you were pretending your friends were <laughs> Chewbacca. No, I would, would. Well, all right. We can table that for another time. This is running a little long. Um, can I just fill in one tangent from before? I oh. have to do this because it's, it's, we, we, we got on the whole Silver Spoons thing and somebody mentioned that uh, uh, yeah Gary Coleman was on Silver Spoons. He was also, of course, on no, Buck Rogers, which also yep. starred Aaron Gray oh, from Silver go. Spoons. Uh, if I if I had oh. gone without saying that, I would have not slept uh, well tonight. Aaron Gray. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, this goes to uh, not only you guys, but all the listeners out there. I am currently looking for the made-for-TV horror drama, The Boy Who Played With Fire, where Gary Coleman played an arsonist. Wow. My God. And, yeah, if anybody has any help with that, can help me out with that, I would be greatly appreciative. Um, good on that, listeners. Good, yeah, bury this 40 minutes into an episode. <laughs> hey, I didn't it's know like, Gary. It's like throwing up the bat signal. Um. All right. Well. Uh, oh, this. Uh, hey, guess where this song is? Spotify. Um, mm-hmm. and make a radio station off of it. I'm doing it off of the album version. Um. And next song up is Pablo Picasso by the Modern Lovers. Oh, oh nice um, I, I got to tell you guys that that song keeps coming up at the restaurant i work at it just keeps coming on is it spotify are you playing spotify at the coolest restaurant yeah how does that come up well when my boss is not there yes we are like today i had the can radio going and everybody was loving it but that song comes on every play every radio station and playlist i ever play that Pablo, <laughs> and I gotta turn it off. They say seven hundred times. Uh, I'm in a restaurant, and I'm like, hey, I kind of gotta skip this song. Um, but yeah, I hear that song all the time. At least the first few seconds of it. Um, it, it there's a like I was just talking about this with somebody the other day that it's like it, it's weird. It plays Modern Lovers far too often, and I love the Modern yeah. Lovers, but it's like everything that you do, it's like, hey, how about some Modern Lovers, and like. For me, it's usually I'm Straight, which is a weird kind of plodding song that doesn't like it. If you have to listen to it carefully, otherwise it sounds almost like it's offensive, too. Uh, <laughs> but it just keeps playing Modern Lovers. And it's like, all right, all right, all right. Like, I, you know, I, I, I like a, it, but calm down. And Roadrunner constantly, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And honestly, Roadrunner. Wait, that, wait, does, that, it only play, does it play Roadrunner once or <laughs> Roadrunner twice? I've, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm in love with the modern world. I'm going out all night. Right. Anyway. <laughs> um, anyway, let's wrap this up. Actually, okay. before we wrap this up, oh, just, Jesus Christ. Oh, a little footnote. One more tangent. You know, uh, Pete, I'm sure you can back me up on this, but like, uh, 
I spent most of my like kind of late teen years and early twenties in Lower Manhattan, you know, more or less specifically the East Village, Lower East Side, and to and the West Village. Mm-hmm. And uh, as a result, you know, most of the places I ate in, most of the places I drank in, most of the places I shopped in, most of the places I worked in, were kind of plain stuff that was, let's just say, hip. Right. Uh, and then ultimately I would move to, uh, San Francisco and I would work in Berkeley. And also there's a period of time where I would, I worked in, uh, Nassau County in Long Island. Um, and the first time that like a boss told me like, all right, so you can play whatever music you want in the store, except if it has, you know, the George Carlin seven words. And like, and it was just like, wait, what are you talking about? Who cares? <laughs> Who does that? And then of course, at some point, and, 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 you know, mind you, the places I'm talking about, like, really, I, I basically worked in an overglorified head shop in Long Island. And I, uh, you know, worked at, you know, in the, again, I worked at a comic book store in Berkeley. And you think, who cares? And then suddenly somebody will come in and complain about the music that's offensive. And it's just this, like, really weird, like, oh my God, that really happens. The world <laughs> is footloose. <laughs> Something about profanity in songs that really bothers people. It's yeah. weird. It's a weird double standard because they'll sit at a table and use the same word, and then complain about you playing it on the radio. Yeah, it's it's something. And it's sort of like sometimes. it's really offensive, and yet uh, Dennis Leary had a song that's just called. Yep, that was a top forty hit. <laughs> yep. Uh, all right, now we'll see you later. Um, <laughs> and that's why the Irish from Boston are terrible. Um, the uh, we'll be back. Hey, if you want to go see a weekend show, not to go see a weekend show, we're not going to be in, uh, performing anywhere. We're doing but... a live show this weekend. Uh, that would be great. <laughs> you want to go uh, a live show this weekend? Hear more of us. Uh, I think it's this weekend. Maybe it was last weekend. But you know what? Go check it out. <laughs> if you haven't checked it out yet, you got a lot of them waiting for you. You got uh, only one way to find it. Weekend mutation. The thing that we do on weekends. You can hear all the beat cuts. Beat cuts. Yeah, the beat cuts and the soundtrack sides and all the kind of fun stuff. Um, that's over on patreoncom Devo. And uh, otherwise, we'll see you back here on Tuesday for a brand new episode of Before Mentioned ABC Devo. This monkey said under Patrick Moynihan. <laughs> <laughs>